a brand new episode of Sequel Rights, the podcast where we take a look at the franchises that make you go, they made how many of those? And we give each and every sequel a fair trial. My name is Justin Camps, and I'm here with... Elizabeth Helley. And... A large cheese pizza. Oh! <laughs> this pizza looks like a person. Ooh. It has hair in it! <laughs> Gross. Anyways... That was Tyler, in case you guys... Tyler <laughs> Cheese Pizza. <laughs> Man, it seems like just yesterday we were left all alone by our parents to podcast alone, and here we are now getting lost in fucking New York. Yeah, we're podcasting live from an abandoned hotel room <laughs> yeah. in New York City. Uh, my apartment is in the middle of renovations, so watch out, <laughs> watch out. for all those traps. Yeah, <laughs> But in all seriousness... We're here to talk about <laughs> Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. The sequel to Home Alone. Uh-huh. In case you were confused by the titling. Uh, How many years later? This one came out in 1992, so just two years later. It's the it's the school of sequels where you know it's a sequel because there's a subtitle. <laughs> That's right. And there's literally a number which, two. Which there was one point where uh, uh, I was talking to my girlfriend, and I was like, oh, yeah, the Raid Redemption. She was like, I didn't see the first Raid. I'm like, no, the Raid Redemption is the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just has an unnecessary subtitle. Exactly. And no one is redeemed in that movie. No, no. <laughs> Lots of bad stuff happening there. <laughs> Um, but it- so right at the top of our episode, we should say we have a very special interview. Yeah. Um, if you guys stick around at the end of the episode, we have none other than Aunt Leslie herself, actor Terry Snell. This interview is fantastic. Please stick around and listen to it. She was a joy to talk to. We had a great time talking to her and she has some really great stories about these films. Yeah. So, um, you know, right as we wrap up, you'll hear that and just... Enjoy it. It's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, but, you know, before we get to that, there's one thing we always have to do every week. You know what it is, Tyler? Take vitamin C. No, we got to watch the trailer. <laughs> oh, right. Hiya, pal. Deck the halls with Barb and Harry. Yes. Make their Christmas not so merry. Give them bricks and give them riches. One more Christmas in the trenches. Toss some paint cans down to greet them. Send the toolbox down to meet them. Serve the nails for Christmas dinner. Kevin is declared the winner. May I do the thinking, please? Lost in New York. You wearing aftershave? That's kerosene. Now, why would anybody soak a rope in kerosene? Merry Christmas. All right, Lost in New York. Yeah. I mean, this ups the scare factor immediately. No longer are you just home by yourself. Now you're lost in the city you've never been to before and in your Katz life. And Cats is playing somewhere. <laughs> That's right. At that time it was, certainly. Yes. Uh, Terrifying. Tum <laughs> Tum Tucker's out there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Um, this one, uh, so I hadn't seen this one for a while. Actually, you know what? I was looking on my Facebook the other day. Sure. And I realized the last time I watched Home Alone 2 Lost in New York... Uh, Tyler and I and a couple of our other friends had gone to a 
live rescore of the film. What? <laughs> oh yeah, that's by this right. band by this band named L.A. Takedown. And yeah. it was awesome. It was fantastic. <laughs> it was at the I'm Pit Gallery here in Los Angeles. Yeah, and yeah, they they showed the movie and then they played like a live synthy score to it. I'm pretty re-score. sure it was like in it must have been in 2016 because I distinctly it remember was like two years ago. Yeah, people booing at a certain point. TFTI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love this movie. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that was the last time I saw it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I enjoyed watching it again here. Yeah, it was fantastic. It does the – it is a sequel in every way where it's like a lot of stuff is the same, but you get little little twists on uh, So I'm stuff. on the fence here in terms of how much of it is – like rewatching it. Mm-hmm. I realized this is one that I watched the most as a kid. Me too, by, yeah, which is why I was surprised. Far. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and that I can't tell if it's doing a meta sequel thing where it's like, remember, we did these things. Or it's doing the bad sequel thing of doing the first movie again in the first, like, ten minutes. Yeah. No, I think or it's... Or if it's doing like... it as a wink. And, like, there's there's some of it that works. There's some of it that doesn't. And I'm like, is this smart and self-aware? Or is this crass and I, kind of cynical? I mean, I, I was having some of those same thoughts as I was watching through. Because it's like, okay, literally the same stuff is happening. But they just yeah. cha- they just tweak it, like, slightly. Or you're seeing, like, a different But then, like, they're like, we did it again! But, like, I feel, yeah, I feel like by the end of the movie, they kind of pull it off for mm-hmm. me. I think you guys are 100% wrong. No, <laughs> I feel that like it every single thing is improved upon and brings it up to like perfect. <laughs> like I I don't think anything is worse. Every single thing gets better in my opinion. It, it is interesting to me of like cuz I try to always think of these in terms of of sequel sins and yeah. things that we've seen that 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 make successful sequels and try to do this big picture view of kind of all the Breath of all the films that we've seen. Yeah. And this movie has brilliant takes on that and also some of the lowest common denominator takes. And I don't know if it's self-awareness that's doing that or if it is, again, if it's just like, well, this is what you do with a sequel. It's the only way you – if it's just kind of bad 1992 screenwriting. Well, yeah. I mean it's interesting that like <laughs> the movie starts off like – I don't know if the time, the timing I don't think would be the same if you played them back to back, but it's like, it's like almost the exact same stuff happens in the beginning. It's ramped up. It's like, it's crammed in it. Yeah. And like, like, Hey, remember, but like, it's also like, is, is that like a, is that like a band? Like you have to get in the mood for like this. Like, it's like, it's trying to reset the tone, trying to reimmerse you in that type of world. It's like they missed the alarm. The exact same. See, I just feel like it was a totally different take on it. And that's why I like this movie so much more than the first one, just because like the kind of person that I am, um, you know, I'm an older child, not the youngest child. And so, yeah, I understand that he felt ignored in the first film. But in this film, the conflict is that he is being treated unjustly. Like, he was tortured by that brother at the Christmas pageant, and they're making him apologize, even though he... Same thing no, it's not at all. One. Because it's about, it's about, it's about, like, he's like, I'm not going to lie and apologize. Like, in the first one, it's just like, oh, you're a little crap shit, and we don't like you. Yeah, but that's because he got is, provoked by... By buzz again no but it's not the same as like this public he humiliation not, he, he knocked over milk instead of children yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's true i know but like even the build-up they were like oh kevin you can't do anything for I yourself think, or I whatever think the and- thing that makes it different is buzz's apology 
Yeah, like, Buzz has this fake apology, and they want Kevin to do one, and he's like, no, I'm not going to do one of those. Like, that's dumb. And, and in rewatching this, I am 100% Team Kevin here. Like, like the, everything he does here is justified. And yeah. I would, I would also like to say shame on all those adults. For at, laughing. At that pageant for laughing. Yeah. It was terrible. Like no, it's awful. Like they went all out, like hilarious. Well, laughter, it wasn't even like it was a school assembly or something. It no. was all parents. Yeah, yeah like, it was bad. I was okay. like, "Are you kidding me?" Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing I was struck by, uh, you know, in the beginning of this, it's like, you know, at the end of Home Alone, it's like, "Oh my god, I, I can't." Like, I, I'm sorry that I ever didn't want my family here. Uh, I love you so much. I mean, I never want to lose you again. Yeah, and, and then, then he's like. Fuck these assholes. Yeah, and then... Well, it's a whole year later. Okay, but it seems like he didn't learn anything. <laughs> yeah, he did not <laughs> learn a thing. It's the thing. He's he's right back. It's the same no, thing. The, he gets the, sent back to the attic. The, and they like... even say the thing is like, is like, like yeah, well, like, I bet you hope your wish doesn't come true. He's like, I bet I do. <laughs> yeah. I know, but I when bet you're you disappear 10, forever. Like, when you're 10, you get mad about the same thing multiple times. He thought like... his family was dead. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, but then once you get stuck with them for a whole other year, it's like, all right, I need another break. Yeah, I guess. Maybe maybe it's because I just watched the movie like the other day. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, he like, had a whole year in between and two years in real life. Well, right. But yeah. yeah. We don't count real life. He just hates Catherine O'Hara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh but anyways, the um the conceit for how he gets lost this time is even more ridiculous than last time. There's a there's a double dad. Yeah. It's a double dad. And this thing, this, this situation would never happen. Really? Today. I thought it was actually like somewhat not, more plausible. I mean, oh, wait, today. sorry, today. I sorry, thought you yeah. meant in real life. Yeah. I, I was saying like, I think it could have maybe happened back yeah. then, but today never, ever. Well, and like, I don't know. I, this never happened to me because my parents look distinct. But as white people, did you, don't you ever like confuse other white people as your parents? Um, I would from like in that situation, if I was a kid, I probably would have thought the same thing. Yeah. yeah. He's wearing like. Is it the same haircut? Yeah, it's like a generic jacket. snow jacket. Definitely, like, I, I mean, I could mistake anyone whose back of their head looks very similar to someone. Sure. And their body type and stuff. I went to the thought a carton of milk was my dad for a whole week. Oh, that's <laughs> sad. What? <laughs> so you poured it on pizza? Was that? Buddy, are you okay? <laughs> I thought it was funny, though, because American Airlines, like, clearly has promotional consideration in this movie, but they're portrayed as, like, idiots. And I was yeah. like, that just shows that they're so desperate to be involved in the movie. They're like, we don't care if you, like, it, do- it does. Them. It doesn't matter. It's giant cinematic shots. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Luxurious for really, like, like hey, ooh, like, the McAllisters, who are rich as fuck, fly American. Like, yeah. And look at how like, quickly they're able to get like, from place to yeah, place. Yeah, and like and the, and the airline doesn't <laughs> fuck them over. Like at- No, but I mean the the staff makes some very big mistakes. Yeah. Sure. They let a kid just on a random flight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, "Yeah, that's my dad right there." And then he looks around like, "Meh, whatever." Yeah. <laughs> the stewardess was like, "Okay." <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys, wait. We we passed something very important. What's that? The talk boy. Oh yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> I had forgotten about that, and I was like, "Oh my god, we had one of those." I did not. I uh, forgot. Was it a real toy? Before it was this? a real toy. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't think before this. Yeah. No, it was not a real toy before this. It was something that was made for the movie. Everyone but was, had to have one. Yeah. But it was, but it was made to be like it was a thing before this movie. Right? Yeah. Sure. And we had one for sure. I wish I had had one. It was amazing. We did not. We did not. I mean, it, the scene where he plays back the, his voice slow is so funny. Yeah. 
P.S. This is like one of the toys that I first remember, like in my memory of being pissed off, being like, why does there need to be a girl version? Because you remember they had the top girl oh, and it was yeah. pink. And I was like, it's a tape recorder. Like, what yeah. the hell? They should have just called it the top kid and been done with it. You know, like, why do you need a pink one? Like for just, your, for your be the top boy, smaller like. female hand to hold the yeah. tape recorder. Like girls like to talk too, right? <laughs> like this, that's Make it the, pink and sell that's it. That's one of the earliest yeah. things I remember like yeah, like that's, that's, that kind of thing yeah, like be like why does it seem to be gendered like, <laughs> the malibu stacy talk boy ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's messed up yeah so the talk boy it, well, okay, so it's kind of the thing that that is his superpower at this point kevin McAllister uses audio boy genius uses audio to fool grown-ups he is so good at pressing fast forward and pause like oh, no human yeah. could could forward and pause that well. Kevin McAllister in this world gets an Oscar for sound editing on Avatar. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sound editing and sound mixing. Which Avatar that is, whether it is two and three, one, (laughs) or the Shyamalan one. Either way. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, I mean, you talked about the plane pausing thing. You want to talk about the, that scene? Wait, what? It's a scene where he's playing and pausing the video. Oh, in the um, in the hotel. In the hotel. Oh, we're gonna go that far forward. Just do okay. It. Yeah. So uh, he has rented Angels with Even Filthier Souls, which yeah. I love. <laughs> I was gonna say I love that the movie has the title of like a crappy sequel mm-hmm. that you yes. make fun of. Yeah. Like if this was called Home Alone which again, is, <laughs> which is a column for it being meta yeah. and being self-aware. So yeah. we, we talked about how keep the change. You feel the animal became like such a thing, but this one is much more iconic in my opinion. Like the Merry Christmas. You felt the animal target made a sweater. Yeah. I, <laughs> I just think that's the one. I don't know. This is the, this is the speech that I remember more, maybe just cause I saw more, but the one like you've been smooching with everybody. This was like, so, I feel like people make fun of that all the time. Time. I totally had forgot the smooching with everybody, like list the names yeah. and how hilarious that is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, but yeah, I was like, I was like, oh my god, I totally forgot yeah. about this. And I am so delighted. In college, uh, one of my friends, uh, a group of them, a group of guys, they drunk dialed me in the middle of the night and left me a voicemail as this speech. <laughs> and our friend Andrew had recently um, hurt his leg and was on crutches, and so my friend does the entire speech. Gimpy and Andrew, little Andrew with the gimpy leg. <laughs> or whatever and then they like and I still I've saved it since 2007 on my voicemail like because I was like I can never delete oh this voicemail but um, you need incredible. a talk voice so you can play I know it into it. I do I do <laughs> uh but yeah so he's he's there in the plaza hotel and I don't know I think there's something just like somehow that is cool about staying in a hotel especially when you're little and it's a big fancy hotel like it just and there's you know like that's the reason that Eloise has been popular all these years. There's something cool about being in a, the plaza, like the big fancy hotel. And so this is kind of like a wish fulfillment thing. And uh, I just love the staff of the hotel. Um, Rob Schneider is like the bellboy and he's actually acting. He's not just being Rob Schneider. He's being, <laughs> he's actually like being this kind of like snooty guy. And I don't know. I love the gag with the tips and, mm-hmm. and that whole recurring thing. Um, I like the, the lady who, uh, 
kind of looks distantly like Sigourney Weaver. Um, but really, it's just Tim Curry. Everything, like, this whole movie is just, like, Tim Curry for me. Uh, That's funny, because you said that last week, and I expected him to be, like, in it a ton, and he's not in it that much. I know. And I watched it, and I was like, oh, I remember the hotel part being a lot longer. Yeah. But I think that just between this movie and Muppet Treasure Island, which is, like, another one of my one of my very favorite movies, like, I just, I don't know. I guess when I was, like probably eight to 12 i was just in a big tim curry phase uh that's like not even saying rocky horror or anything obviously (laughs) so uh yeah i loved him in clue oh yeah never seen it you've never seen clue (laughs) nope uh, then it's you're not really a Tim two... Curry fan. I know, I'm not saying I am. I'm saying these two movies, like, I'm obsessed with him in those two movies, and that's it. Oh, man, I'm excited for you. You're going to love that movie. Yeah. yeah, but why would we watch it? Is there a sequel? I mean, you can watch <laughs> it in life. It has, it has nothing to do with watching it Well, they're it actually, aren't they remaking it? They are remaking it. Yeah, so it. there you go. Oh, really, all right, uh... all right. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I, I just love how, too, like, they keep, he keeps pranking Tim Curry in these ways that, like, are a little bit homoerotic in like weird ways like the whole thing about him looking at the dad in the shower and then which, like they they like play on that to like make him freak out which is really weird in the, so like okay so <laughs> so the, for this gag to work there's a lot of moving pieces right? yeah moving piece number one kevin goes to uncle frank while he's singing in the shower yeah. and like spies on him like and records him singing i love the thing he's like Uncle Frank told me not to go in there because if I do, if I see him, I'll never feel like a real man again. If I see him naked, which is like so gross. <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. He's like, I'm not sure. That to their nephew. I'm not sure what he meant, but he said that. Yeah. That is ugh, so disgusting. Like I would it's call child family services on that uncle for saying that to a child. And so, so then he records him singing to what's this song? Like Cool Jerk? I think. I don't right? know what Wasn't it is. It? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's cool. I, the song "Cool Jerk." I remember. Cool Jerk. Yeah, which, uh, uh, uh. I remember singing with my brother. We would sing the "Cool Jerk," That's I guess. So funny. And and so so he records that. Then uh, his Kevin's mom mentions uh, some other relative has gotten you a gift. Mm, the gram- is, grandma that is not Donald Duck slippers. That is, in fact, an inflatable Bozo the Clown to play with in the pool, Uh which is a weird fucking gift. (laughs) Well, grandma's. And so and so (laughs) Kevin, who is apparently carrying his own bag and has packed this inflatable Bozo the Clown in his bag while also carrying his dad's bag backpack but not his bag that had his clothes Clothes. because that bag was on the correct luggage correct belt yeah yeah when that shower scene starts i was like what the heck is it where did he i was like what's he gonna do and then you see it's the clown so so basically it's this it's this inflatable clown that he is puppeting like he did in the previous movie oh by the way it looks exactly uh, the same doing the dance oh yeah (laughs) doing the whole thing and uh uh yeah, it's just a very like a lot of things have to go right for that. Get that out of here, you pervert! <laughs> <laughs> it's just so fun. And then when he sees him the next morning, he, like Tim Curry is so apologetic, yeah. and he's like, "Is your dad gonna come down here so that I can apologize?" And he's like, "No. If some guy saw you naked, would you ever want to see him again? You're not gonna see him for the rest of this trip." And Tim Curry's like, "Yeah, yeah, that checks out. That checks out." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, shame, uh-huh. shame. Uh-huh. But I think my favorite. Other, okay, well, one of my favorite Tim Curry moments is when 
the the fade into the Grinch smiling and it just like uh, goes yeah. to him, which just makes me so angry that there's been two now film adaptations of the Grinch and none of them star Tim Curry. Like I remember whenever they announced the Jim Carrey one, I remember being pissed off like that it wasn't gonna be Tim Curry just <laughs> based so on this movie. Um but the main the main thing about the hotel and the best scene is the the whole Donald Trump. Well, okay. <laughs> no, Donald said Trump. not to mention him. He's, he's not in, in this the movie. movie. And actually, like, I haven't seen it in a while, and everyone had been, I'd been seeing that memed, and so I thought his scene was going to be a lot longer. It's really not. He does, and he, he doesn't even. He owned the hotel at the time. He got, did. He's the okay. type of, and he's the type of person who's like, oh, you can shoot in my hotel. I need to be in this. Uh, but I was surprised that it was such a small cameo. And I mean, that, honestly, like, just hearing his voice, like, I was like, it's the worst. Fuck this. Movie. Okay, so <laughs> I'm actually shocked that there's not more think pieces about, like, the long shadow that this movie can cast in terms of like because because we get you have it has a lot of elements to it and I haven't like kind of coalesced my thoughts around it but like there's a lot of millenn- there's a lot of shit that old people talk about millennials that are in this movie about like young kids who feel like the the old like old people have no idea what the fuck they're doing mm-hmm. and like we can, like we can just do everything else different we can do it our own way and and everything you know everything's going to be fine there's a shot where he's like on top of the twin towers and just kind of drifts super far and wide away and just hangs there for a really long time donald trump shows up and it's just kind of this thing where there's like adolescence but like doom's coming for you <laughs> like I, I, well yeah like, I, like, like, i'm shocked that there is not like 12 think pieces about this movie yeah. one of the first memes i saw when um the kids were being separated at the border was the picture of donald trump with macaulay Culkin, and it was like we should have known that he'd be okay with kids being separated from their families or oh, whatever God. so Boo. But yeah, that Twin Tower shot was crazy. I was yeah. like, man, they yeah. must have really done a lot to get that. Like, yeah, and there's like nobody up there. It's a helicopter shot. There's nobody else up there. Yeah. Like, crazy. Um, there's, yeah, there's just, there's a lot of artifice and there's a lot of, and like, I also kind of didn't realize like how much it kind of incentivizes Kevin and kids to be like, yeah, manipulate people. Like, 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 people are dumb. Like, as long like, as you're doing it for a good cause. So, as long as you're doing it for a good cause. Well, yeah, like, but I think he also really respects adults that oh, are he's, kind. He's so polite. Yeah, like he's very respectful to the toy store owner and the, the, the old, um, people the old at the lady, pool. the pigeon lady. Yeah, the people at the pool. Like, so it's just kind of a thing. Like, if you're a bad person, he's gonna be mean to you. It's like, uh, it's like using kids or dogs as a barometer of you know yeah, how people sure. are. My mom used to call me baby barometer because she said if she gave me to somebody that was a jerk that I would start crying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he doesn't do he doesn't do anything uh, malevolent at all. It's just all but fun. He's he's incredibly polite, but incredibly and successfully manipulative. Yeah, yeah, but like for just mischievous things, nothing, nothing, sure. nothing mean or except for bad. you know credit card fraud and yeah, uh, but... a grand of room service. I mean, yeah, I guess. Well, they pay for it. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so then when he escapes from the hotel, he gets everybody with the angels from Filthy or Souls clip. And that was just like, I. that's just one of my favorite scenes, like, ever in a movie. Like, uh, like it just is so funny to me the way that they all, like, get down on their 
knees or whatever. Like, Get down to your knees yeah. and tell me you love <laughs> me. I just remember seeing that so many times. And the way that Tim Curry, the first time, instead of being like, I love you or like, I love you, he the first time he's just all in. He's hey. like, I love you. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, I just remember doing that so that, much. Man. And then, you know, he's like naming all the people and the security guard looks at Tim Curry, like shaking his head, like, oh, you've been switching with all those people. And then the well, yeah, tape goes, and Cliff. Yeah. And then the guy's name was Cliff. And everyone's like, what? He's like, it's not true. It's not true. Like, I just, I don't know. I love that scene so yeah. much. Especially because it goes on and on. And like, it's not as funny now with all the millions and billions of shootings that we have. Well, no, that's what I was saying. Was like, it was funny when they're like, oh, there's an active shooter on the floor. Yeah. Like, like, it was funny then. Now it's like, okay, that's not so funny. But it is funny that they're still falling for it. Like, yeah, that's just yeah. the sound, I guess. And the, the stupid hotel workers are falling for it but anyways we got to move on from the hotel or i'll just talk about this forever <laughs> well yeah i mean so yeah the sequel you know like you said i, I feel like this is kind of, kind of a sequel that gives you like that it has kind of like the the more is better philosophy yeah but in this case like you know it actually is good as far as like other sequels where like transformers for example right. or something where it's like more explosions and robots is better like Okay, no, it's not actually. Right. It's like it's like you like Joe Pesci and and Daniel Stern. Well, here's Tim Curry and Rob Schneider. Yeah. But here's... also Joe Pesci and Daniel Right. Stern. No, yeah. exactly. That's I think that's that's, that's yeah, the improvement. But like, here's I... all the same scenes but with a little bit more yeah. or a slightly different situation. <laughs> I think that in some like okay, so you get the pigeon lady instead of the snow shovel guy, right? But then yeah. you also have the old toy uh store owner and i think like yes it's like okay yeah he's talking to an old person the again ghost of whatever. an old toy store owner uh, <laughs> i like how he just disappears in that one scene yeah, like, oh like, my god, god. he was talking to like, a I was like, does magic exist in this universe yeah by the way you did did you remember that that toy store owner played the old monkey sebastian and brave little toaster to the rescue what that was his no, last I role i think i talked about it in brave little toaster but that. yeah that was his last role. He also is the uh, Mr. Wally, the owner of Wally World. Oh, yeah. Nice. So, um, anyway, I think the message that the pigeon lady and um, the toy store owner are giving him, it's like a different thing than he learned in the first movie, like Ooh. about doing good for others. Um, the first one, it was like, forgive your family or whatever. But this one, they're like, you you should help people, you know, don't just use all your, all this cunning that you have and all these smarts and skills that you have like to torture people you should help people too you know i think the movie does do a very good job of a showing that new york homeless people can be scary Mm -hmm. and then that b saying that's okay these are all people and and that everyone here has a story like because there's one where it's like oh yeah kids be terrified homeless people sure like, they scary the pigeon lady from Mary Poppins made it all the way to this <laughs> yeah she came from from uh, St Paul's all the way to yeah. Central uh, Park by the way lo- that lady won an Oscar a year before this movie for My oh, Left Foot with Daniel yeah. Day Lewis yeah I love I love when that f- movie My Left Foot it's yeah. Amazing. yeah I love when uh, uh, Kevin first sees her and he's just like sick yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because she has like birds all over. Yeah, so I mean, I like, great they, they tell you to keep a healthy distance, but that you should be compassionate and maybe listen to what these people have to say. Yeah, no, I, I think that that uh, I was kind of joking about the first thing of making them terrifying because that scene is terrifying and like the especially the cabbie, which I like, is kind of burned into my brain. I was like, oh, it's terrifying out there, and the cabbie has a dead eye and turns around, and is like, ain't much better in here. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was creepy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think it just really 
of, of humanizing all of those people uh, retroactively um, in a way that that I think that is does a better job than the Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Jamie Foxx, the soloist. Oh, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, because he was also homeless in that movie. Correct. <laughs> all right. Correct. Remember when we thought that was good? Yeah. <laughs> it was based on an LA Times article. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is, but like, <laughs> I guess watching this one, I'm like, I can see more like, oh, these are the people that are like injecting the heart into the story, like the old man in the first one. But it doesn't, I don't know why, but for me, it doesn't feel like as magical and like I, I, thinking like, I don't know, growing up watching the first one where the old guy was like a murderer and sure. a feeling that like childlike, like, uh, you know, terror of this like unknown person and then finding out that they have a different side, seeing it again with like these other characters, I just was kind of like not quite as into it. Um, I kind of like, I mean, I like the ending of their story, I guess, where it's more about like, you know. I'm not a nobody. Like, remember who I am. You'll like, you'll yeah. remember me. I exist. Like, what do you think of her as a device for having pigeons as enemies in the video game? <laughs> She's like an X-Men. Oh. <laughs> She's like a mutant with like pigeon power. Yeah. Basically. I mean, it's great at the end when she throws the bird seed on the two yeah, guys. That, that is fun. so funny. Right. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> I, also, I also love to like, for, she's like, um, you know, they're meeting outside in central park and he's like, oh, Kevin's like, Oh my God, it's so cold out. Can we go somewhere warm? And she's like, I know a place. And she's like, I'm friends with the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. There's a shot of like where Kevin's looking through it's like, cool. the, it is the, cool. the well light and he's just like up there and it's like like Huck Finn Tom Sawyer looking at their own funeral. It's like, is he dead? Yeah. Like what like what's like he's floating in the it's sky? Like, okay, maybe don't go into a basement with a homeless lady, yeah. but like to see the symphony for free, I mean, it was pretty. <laughs> and then uh, I love the end of that scene where, like, you know, he's he's like trying to have this. He's being his like really sincere self. Like, I'm not gonna forget about you. Don't worry about it. Like, I, I rem- I'm gonna remember you forever. And like, she's like, "Don't make promises you can't keep." <laughs> I, like, I mean, <laughs> I was like, "Damn!" Just be like, "Okay." Cool. She said that before <laughs> talking to him. She hadn't spoke to anyone in yeah. like two years. She's like, "Don't write checks with your mouth that your ass can't cash." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't give me false promises, you freaking ch- child. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. I mean, that pretty much brings us to the end, which is another scary house. I got to say, um, so we learned that, you know, throughout the movie that, like, you know, Harry and Marv have broken out of prison. And now they're going to go be the sticky bandits. <laughs> God, so stupid. Which is, which is funny. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we see all these scenes of them, like, going around New York trying to figure out what to do. And, like, one of my favorite scenes is they're at an ice rink. and Because, uh, like, you know, that's where you go to hide out when you're fugitives. Yeah, you just, go to the Rockefeller. They're just enjoying their freedom, you know? like Ice rink. Yeah. So they're at the ice rink. Harry and Marv talking, like, uh, Marv, like, skates over. Um and the entire time they're having this conversation, he's just like pulling items of clothing off people. As yeah, they skate by. it's hilarious. And like no one's noticing because they're taking off like earmuffs and like scarves that people would probably feel coming off of them. Yeah. <laughs> but I just love that like mid conversation just reaches his hand out, grabs a hat. Did he still have the tape on at that point? I I think he does. I think he does. But I just thought that was so funny. Like, he's not even paying attention. He's just grabbing whatever comes by. (laughs) What do we think about Kevin sexually harassing a woman for good? Wait, wait. Um, I think I'm okay (laughs) with it. If you're in a life or death situation and, like, 
you've been kidnapped by two people that are literally your mortal enemies and gonna murder you. I think a little pinch is not gonna, you know. Yeah. What did you? So in the first movie, were they like literally trying to kill him? No, not until no... not until they st- he started hitting him with the paint cans okay. and shit. Yeah, but it wasn't in this movie. A gun. They're explicitly. They're trying like, to kill we're him. gonna kill you. It wasn't a gun in the other one, right? Did they ever bring out guns? <sighs> did they have a gun? No, they didn't have a gun. This one, they have a gun. Yeah. They also, do. there's a part where he like runs off into Central Park, and they're like, uh, "People die in Central Park all the time." Yeah, and they're like, "Yeah, grown no, men go into there's, Central there's, Park." There's, there's, a, never there's an awful callback of, "Yeah, kids are scared of the park." Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of it's a callback to the kids are afraid of the dark. Yeah. Kids are afraid. Kids are scared of the dark. Yeah, kids are but they're just like dark. in this movie. They're like they're actually trying to kill him. And yeah, they keep, they keep mentioning. I mean, several if times. you were in jail for like nine months plus, I mean, you probably yeah. would want to kill him. I saw it was a little like. I mean, it was a little scary. There were well, yeah, like, the stakes we are higher. We should shot him though when we saw him last time. I can't believe I didn't shoot him. They said that like over and over again. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Well, they probably should have if they were smart, but they're not <laughs> smart, and that's why it's a movie. Um. So, yeah, he lures them. They break into the toy store to steal the money that's supposed to go to the sick kids. And uh, he lures they, them to his totally uncle's sick. house. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> Marv gets bit by the exposition bug and yeah. tells them his entire plan. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So he... Um, by the way, I was like, this is, like, so implausible that they would run into each other, you know? But I, it reminded me... Um, one time I was at Versailles, like on the steps, and I ran into some dude from band that hates me. And like we ran into each other, like we were not there on the same trip. Like we didn't know the other person was there, and it was like everything was forgiven. It was like, oh my god, what are you doing here? Blah blah blah. So you can run into people that hate you in a faraway city. Oh wow, that's crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and so I ran into Jeff Tweedy once, and. New York City, but and that's... he was like, "There's that goddamn Tyler kid." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he made me forget my lyrics. <laughs> so yeah, they he lures the two guys to his uncle's house, which is under renovation. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, this so is... much under renovation that they've torn out the entire floor. <laughs> this is Paris' uncle, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rod or something like that. Uncle Rod. Um. So you know, yeah. Last movie we went through and said like what our favorite yes. like traps were. Mm-hmm. Uh. So what was everyone's favorite this time around? Oh, we got traps. There's yeah. traps on traps. Traps on, on traps, traps on traps. Uh, my favorite by far, even though it's so stupid and like the only time this these movies have gone into fantasy at all oh, yeah. is oh, the electric. It's gonna be the same thing I for think me. That's my too. <laughs> When he turns into a skeleton because it's like you're not expecting it's so it. Stupid. It's so stupid. It's and the funny. most slapstick. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's amazing. And he's like, he get Daniel Stern gets to do his like crazy high pitched scream like three times in this movie. Yeah. And he's doing it and the skeleton's just jaw just drops open and it looks so, so yeah, what the what the mechanic of this prank is is that is that he covers him in paint and then has a car battery attached to the sink. And as he goes to wash himself off from this paint at the sink, the sink is electrified. And thankfully, he decided to turn on both handles at the same time yeah. so he could complete the circuit and be completely who, electrocuted. Who here has seen somebody be electrocuted? Not me. Not me. Okay. So, I, so here comes Tyler's story. Time. Oh, no. My first conscious memory <laughs> is uh, waking up underneath a table after I stick a key in the light socket. Why would you do that? I was like two. Still, uh, he doesn't remember why. Wait, he is this, this is your home? <laughs> yeah, 
Oh, man. You didn't have those little plastic things covering all the... Don't shame my parents. Okay, sorry, sorry. My bad, my bad. I'm, but, I'm sorry, Mrs. Simonson. But, but going right into that, I've seen my dad get electrocuted a lot. <laughs> when he's, like, repairing lights and fans and things like that, where it's like, hey, Dad, you should probably turn off the power. And he's like, maybe not. And I've seen him been shot, like, three times. And it is the funniest thing. Ever. oh, oh. oh. Um, There's nothing funnier. No, uh, <laughs> and so yeah, this, that bit is hilarious. Um, there, this is another one where, like, I, I think the the traps are even more aggressive than the sure. first movie. They they went all out, and this one it's like they would have been dead like before oh, they even for got in. Sure, because they do the two paint cans and they think they're smart by dodging them, and then there's <laughs> an entire like giant plumbing pipe that he sets down. The first thing down. that happens is like Mark is hit the face with six bricks. Yeah. Oh would my god! Yeah. He would have been so dead. He he also gets he also gets hit with a bag of concrete that would cut him in half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I love that. I I do love that. You know, so they're renovating, and like the floor from like the main floor all the way to the basement is missing. So there's a couple times where it's like, yeah, Mar falls down, he gets up, and then they go all the way upstairs, and then they fall all the way back down to the basement again, and like they have to start over. Which I will say, for sequel world building, the whole premise of the movie was them going to this uncle's place in Paris. So he's gonna have a renovated like to to have this location exists in the world is entirely justified Mm -hmm. and the best escalation that you could imagine for this movie yeah it's pretty uh i think the traps were all pretty inventive there's more slipping there's like uh... i wanted to buy slime after this movie (laughs) yeah (laughs) when he goes to like okay he was not going to be able to get up that ladder anyways right He gets up there like, I, I got know. this, he, I got this. Joe Pesci gets his head set on fire again and the only repeated gag. But the difference here is is that he has the yoga core strength <laughs> yeah. to completely <laughs> do an inverted like push-up plank nonsense to lower himself vertically into a toilet that is filled I do, with fuel. So Every I, time I'm like, why doesn't he just take off the beanie? Yeah. <laughs> I do kind of like, I, I think, you know... Uh, so John- maybe he was getting up the stair, the, the the ladder. That's my point. That's what I'm saying. John Hughes wrote this one too, and um, I, I I do kind of like the uh, like maybe it's ingenious that you know these traps and everything that come up at the end, they they start to happen, and the audience is probably like, oh yeah, look at there's the burner. He's gonna get his head burnt again. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And then it happens, but then you know john hughes he 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 wrote like it took it one step further yeah so like people are like already you know everyone wants to see what they loved again they love the first movie okay they see it again and then it gets like tweaked and like brought into this like now his head explodes right i feel like some of that stuff is probably ingenious like it, it it hits the audience's like need for what they loved and then surprising them with something that they didn't know they wanted I think it gets into something, and, and I agree with you. I think by the end of this movie, it comes off, off as very, very smart. And a, and a good sequel. Probably mm-hmm. one of the best ones that we've discussed. Mm-hmm. And it makes me curious about what it takes to get people in the same rhythm of of the movie that they loved and to build and improve upon it. So the first act of this movie is kind of like a... It's kind of like the uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night of we're watching the first 30 <laughs> minutes of this movie again, right? 
Uh, but it does it in an abbreviate, like as fast as possible, with a wink and and a smile of like, "Hey, remember? Like this is mm-hmm. like the family. This is where everything's at." And I wonder, like, how much that acclamation is needed for a sequel. Well, yeah, and it, I mean, it seems to me like they walked. He walked the the tight rope wire between, um, you know, not just completely repeating everything where everyone just goes, that was the same movie uh-huh. again, because, you know, Eliz loves this movie better. I, I also really like it, but like, you know, I can, I can see that it, there's lots of repetitive stuff sure. and maybe people that aren't into home alone are just like, eh, it's the same movie. But I think like most of the people who enjoyed it didn't have that whole, like, Oh my God, they're just repeating all the same stuff. No, I don't think it is that. I guess, I guess it's just a, a, a question of like, I, I don't, um, to enjoy a movie, like, the pacing of the first one is so specific and has all these different things. And so, like, for you to get in that same mindset, how much does the movie have to hold your hand to get you into that mindset? And I think this movie does a good job mm-hmm. for 1992. And I don't – I guess the thing that's made me think of and the thing that's fascinating to me is how much that still needs to happen and how much you kind of need to – it's like, you know, it's like an opening act for a band or something like that. Like, how much you need people to be in the mindset to be ready – to remember to get the full enjoyment of the way that all of these jokes are constructed and tweaked and just pushed a little bit further than they were in the first one. I think one that I think of, and maybe just because the kid is getting lost, but uh, Fiebel and American Tale, like this is almost kind of like you guys really liked the second Fiebel and actually I didn't, but yeah, it's like got the, they had that, you know, it's no cats in America in the first one. And the second one, it's that, whoa, we're going way out West or whatever, you know? And it's like a lot of the same rhythm um it's funny so, yeah. uh, i actually during watching this movie i was like this is like home alone's version of uh yeah american tale there's even there's <laughs> kevin even, goes east is yeah. that- <laughs> that's what it is oh well i mean it's like there, there's even a um somewhere out there moment there's like a crossfade between like kevin looking out at the stars yeah. while while there's like the new uh, there absolutely is the yeah. new like Good somewhere night, in my kevin. memory song night, is playing mom. from yeah. john williams and then it like crossfades to his mom and they're like both looking at the same sky yeah kind of. yeah and I was like, oh, my God, that's the somewhere out there moment. I do feel for the parents in this. Like, uh-huh. she thought, like, and it kind of makes them feel worse. Oh, oh that's actually something I want to talk about here, too, is, uh, uh, like, how much of this is, like, dad doubt built into this? Because, like, he's so sure that he didn't, <laughs> that, that nothing went wrong here. He got a lot more to do in this Kevin one, was which I kind of liked. That means he's yeah. at the airport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With a wink and a nudge. It's like, oh, they forgot him again. It's like, nope, he's in the car. In the I, I like it when they're yeah. at the uh, the Miami police and the police officer is like, what? You did what? <laughs> and they're like, it's so incredulous that they can't do anything but laugh at it. They're like, <laughs> it's happening again. You know, like, because it's just yeah. like, that's almost what you would do in that situation yeah. because like you can't, your brain can't process that kind of like yeah. incredulity, you know? Well, like it's kind of our thing now. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's something funny about that. Cause like he's shot in much higher res than they are. I feel like that, that was a reshoot of their reactions, mm. but I think that the reactions are perfect. Yeah. And Catherine O'Hara is again, awesome in this. Movie. Fantastic. The scene uh, towards the end when she's talking to the police officer in the car. Uh, like, that's such a cute scene. Even yeah. though it's like, I'm like, this should be lame. But like, when <laughs> no, she, no. yeah. These movies don't work without her being the emotional through line. Mm-hmm. These movies don't work without her being able to dance the line of being a mom who's so busy and flustered and, and overwhelmed with everything that it's plausible mm-hmm. that she's misplaced her son and that it is 
believable that she feels like she has failed him yeah. in a way that is the most important thing in the world to her. And so in the thing that we were kind of talking shit about before where they're both kind of being like, well, we didn't learn anything last year, mm -hmm. like fucking whatever, which I think is a flaw. I think that is a problem. I think that there is something very special about her performance here of making – it kind of – I feel like that there is like every parent who watches this movie sees all of their failures in her and that there is still time to fix them and make things right. And I think that there is something that – now, now that I'm saying all this aloud, like it may be one of the more underrated performances across both of these movies mm -hmm. of anything of the of, of our lifetimes, because I feel like that there is so much relatability and so much empathy that is hung on her. Mm -hmm. These movies fail; they fall apart without her. Yeah, I feel like that that character, like the performance, could have totally gone like over the top into overacting where she's like super hysterical about her yeah. kid. Or, or where she's like mad at him, yeah, you know, yeah. like where she's like, I can't believe you did this again. You know, like that kind of thing. She is objectively the funniest person pound for pound in these movies. And she has the least amount of laughs. Yeah. She gets a bad rap for losing her kid all the time. Yeah. <laughs> she's a good mom. You yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I think even though it's kind of a retread of the old man, I think it's really cute at the end when he brings in the turtle dove. Like, I don't know. Like, I she do just like... does a good job of being homeless, but it's not that creepy when he hugs her, you know? It's like she's a nice lady. Like, it's yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. I, I do I do like the look uh, when she uh, when he, he comes to talk to her and she, she hears him say, like, hello, and she turns around and she goes, Kevin! Yeah. Like, just, her, just the, the like... Total surprise. The fact that he remembered her one yeah. more time right. is like, that's yep. enough. Yep. He didn't even have to give her the ornament. Like, yeah. Oh, so nice. The turtle doves. Turtle doves. So sad. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, they, they uh, are all back and uh, Mr. Duncan's brought him a bunch of toys for Christmas. Yeah, they all, they, they all, oh, actually, this is something I want to talk about. Okay. Yeah. So, so the McAllisters are going to Florida for the holidays. Yeah. Kevin ends up in New York City. Do you feel like, because I have a strong opinion about Florida. I've been there once. <laughs> but uh, I've got a strong opinion. I've got a very strong opinion. No, no, from all the stories twice, I but hear. Like, but, but Florida sucks. Sorry, Florida listeners. <laughs> I wasn't surprised that it was raining there. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so I wonder if there, like, there's a lot of like, I feel like that there's a lot of foundation of, of our collective pop culture knowledge is actually laid by these two movies. And I feel like Florida jokes are kind of universal. There's the Florida man Twitter. You know, there's a lot of, like, we, we, all, we all joke about Florida. And in this movie, it absolutely establishes, and, and I, for me, I think probably sets up the stereotype that Florida's a disappointment. <laughs> because yeah, they get they... there and it's completely rainy and shitty and they're stuck in a hotel room well and it's like a really seedy motel like right. blue dolphin or something and I, I wrote down that the sign says adult films hourly rate <laughs> yeah I saw that <laughs> Well, and Uncle Frank, who they're playing up even more that he's a cheapskate in this movie. He's uh -huh. like, well, it didn't look this bad when we were here on our honeymoon. Like, it's like, oh, God. That's awful. Uh, but, yeah, I think it I think it does. So, so, yeah, I think it does maybe set the foundation for Florida jokes for an entire generation. 
It could, but I think the election probably is what. Oh, put, yeah, yeah, like the hanging chads and all that. That's I don't I know about Palm Beach County enters into this. <laughs> uh, anyway, there's one child star check in because Linny was recast. <gasps> what? Yeah. Um, with Maureen Elizabeth with an S, Shay, and she. Did nothing. Did this movie and that's it. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> but she is now a lecturer of post-colonial literature at UCLA. And her dissertation was on perpetual refugees and the unmaking of the global world. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Mm, that uh, sounds pretty intense. Yeah. That is a thought-provoking lecture title. <laughs> and I mean that with no sarcasm at all. Like, yeah. I, I want to know what that means. Yeah. Uh, what did you guys think of, um, the new John Williams songs in this one? I thought that it does everything that we were talking about (laughs) of taking the DNA of the first one and then kind of pumping it up with super dinosaur DNA. (laughs) And, uh, and I think it was fantastic. Was the remix of Silver Bells, was that in the first one when he was getting ready or was that just in this one? Um, I think that was... Yeah, I don't know. I think that was in this one. Okay, because, yeah, when that started, I was like, yeah, I remember this. Like, he's about to go <laughs> make the traps. Like, you know, I don't know why. That's yeah. like that's probably my favorite little bit. This one featured uh, – so there was obviously still somewhere in my memory, but the new ones that he wrote oh, yeah. were um, Merry, Merry Christmas – or Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, which is at the end credits. Kind of upbeat, like, we wish you a Merry Christmas type cor- sure. choral song, which I thought was kind of nice. And then the, like, the new um, – the new somewhere in my memory was the Christmas Star song, where like you know when they went to the children's hospital, yeah, yeah, and just, yeah. like singing it, which I which thought was I remember as a kid for... thinking that all the kids in the children's hospital were singing that song. <laughs> that one kid you can see looked real yeah, sad. He did. That kid was uncredited, by the way. I looked. Oh dang it! Because he was actually in that hospital. Maybe who knows? Or it was a ghost. They, yeah, they got it. <laughs> <laughs> Another ghost. Ghosts exist in this series. <laughs> I know. Okay, so the reason I thought he was a goat, I didn't actually think he, he was a ghost. He disappears. He disappears, and like he looks up and sees like his portrait on the wall. You're like talking about the Toy Story. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And I just thought uh, I was like, oh my god, he's a ghost. <laughs> but then there, he's talking to the. No, he didn't again. die until after the toaster movie. Yeah, it's too bad. It's too bad. But um, uh, yeah, so everyone's happy again. Time to be with your family for Christmas. Better- Time to be with your family for Christmas. Time for the wet bandits, the sticky bandits, to go back to jail. <laughs> yep. Is there any how do we feel about the resolution of this of of these burglars in the house? What do you mean? Like I just mean like we just kinda of like, okay, well, like you went through my fun house. Well, they go through the house, but then they chase him across the street back into the park and then the pigeons get them and then the right. police come. Yeah. yeah and pigeons they... and police. Yeah. Well, he does the whole thing like, oh, uh, uh, the the wet bandits they're after me again like you, you can find them in the park look for the fireworks right yeah he's got everything planned out at the end of this movie of course but there's always like a moment where they do get the jump on him and it's kind of scary for him yeah yeah and i do like that uh harry still has the uh the the burn mark from the McAllister yeah. m on yeah. his hand which i thought was cool um yeah, I think it wraps up fine. Leaves no no hanging ends, no loose ends, no Do we loose chats. We're going to see the uh, was it Moist Bandits 
the moist bandits. I think, I, yeah, I think that the, like that's the the natural progression there. The moldy bandits because it got yeah, sticky. The gang, the, gang, the gangrene bandits, smelly bandits. Ugh. In uh, in three, stinky bandits. Yeah, Probably. I don't know. Maybe I I'm not sure what happens in three, but I remember seeing some things on the marketing. So I mean, I I don't remember what happens in three either. I know that I I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone's in any it, of the but movies. there might be. Who knows? I don't know if there's any connection though. That I don't remember. Yeah. Um, but I know that uh, some the child will be might home have a alone. Fun moniker. <laughs> yeah, they might. Uh, so this movie came out 1992, um, November 20th. So like again, another November Christmas release. Yeah. Um, it and made it, uh, 173 million. It made bang. Yeah, less it was than the, the second highest grossing movie of the year. Yeah, less than the first one, but uh, still a crap ton of money. And I don't know what the highest grossing movie of that year was. Ninety um, two. I don't know. I'd have to look. Not Jurassic Park. That's one more year. Uh, I could look. In look it up. One second. Rescuers down up. under. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna look it up, uh, but what do you guys want to talk about in the meantime? While I well, uh, look we this should up. come up with a rating system here. Do it. And uh, how many filthy angel souls <laughs> <laughs> would you give Home Alone to? Lost in New York. Um, me, I would give it seven filthy angel <laughs> souls. I gave the last one ten. I really, um, I remember this one less. Like. <laughs> The one thing I was like, I, I had totally forgotten about the talk boy. For some reason, I really like the iconic thing for me from this is like his outfit is like what? the weirdest thing. Just because right. I think it's on all the posters and everything. So I remember that like green jacket with the yellow trim and the hat for some reason uh, more than anything. Um, and I just more like I think the the um, first movie has more magic for me. And this one I thought was good, but. Not my Speaking of just like aesthetics of look of things, like something that really stuck with me, and I think that like is actually fantastic, is the opening title design of the because like mm. there's like the home with like the light on for Home Alone, yeah, in the logo, and then like it's almost this like Saul Bassian, like the the house is sandwiched between yeah, now the New York skyline, and it's like it's a it's almost like an old James Bond title sequence. Now I'm curious and it's who designed great. that. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, what about you, Liz? Uh, I think you guys already know that I would give it 10 super, super filthy souls. Um, <clears throat> like I, this movie is like just so perfect to me. I don't know. Like, I just love it so much. And it has for me, it just has more for me than Home Alone 1, I guess. Like, I don't like the Midwest and white people and giant houses and stuff. Like, I mean, I've stayed in hotels more than I've stayed in a giant suburban white person house with snow, you know? So it's like, I just, I don't know. I get it more. I just like it more. I don't know. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So, um, 1992 top grossing movie. Forrest Gump. Aladdin. Oh, oh shit. Oh, off. I said Beauty and the Beast. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you messed up. You messed up. I can't figure out so who ashamed. Uh, designed those titles. I, I should try to figure that out. It's probably a deep if dive. If you're out there, let us know. It's a deep dive. Um, I'm going to go eight C's. I enjoy this movie a lot. You know, I'm not sure if that's nostalgia or if that's newfound appreciation from watching it. There's a lot happening in this movie, and I feel like there's stuff that can be unpacked, and I feel like that there's a lot of things that... I took away from it that I didn't quite understand, and I think that there's a uh, 
I don't know. There's a lot going on in it, and there's a lot of interesting stuff that, again, BuzzFeed, give your think pieces about this movie. I'll read them <laughs> yeah. because it's uh, it's fascinating. Top to ten me. reason uh, ways that Home Alone two uh, predicted the future. No, like I feel like you could write, <laughs> I feel like you could write a thesis about this movie right now. There was one that was like the top five things about Home Alone 2 that are super messed up. And I didn't read the whole article, but one of them was Uncle Frank saying that gross thing to oh, that yeah. Kevin. <laughs> like, that was really like, gross. I kind of feel like that there's a lot of hope in this movie, but I kind of feel like it's the bedrock for a lot of toxic shit. Yeah, I, don't know. I just think, like, I just like the message better. I don't know, like, just about help helping people and being philanthropic and just about... About not apologizing for, like, something you shouldn't have to apologize for. Like, I don't know. But the movie ends with him having a $900 room service. Yeah, I mean, you got to have some kind of gag at the end so that they can yell out his name one more time. And they're staying in, like, a triple-decker suite. (laughs) Right. Their suite had stairs. Like, I had a a freaking spiral staircase. Yeah, Yeah, because they had to apologize for all the stuff that they let him do. But they still charge him for the original hotel bill so yeah what are you gonna do also a hilarious thing about this movie is that like and also like just wouldn't exist without cell phones or or Mm -hmm. anything like that uh but that they had to do the knuckle buster credit card reader and Mm -hmm. so like they couldn't take a credit card over the phone which is a thing that like is central to this plot that i realized and i was like i've never booked a hotel where they don't just take the credit card and it's Mm -hmm. like no they need the physical card like they couldn't do that Mm -hmm. right right yeah yeah, I was still using that machine for my job in like 2008. <laughs> no, there was a cab. There was a cabbie here in LA that like I thought he was going for a handgun and I was gonna die. <laughs> and it was like, and because it, it was like you have a card and, like, blah, 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 and then he just like rummaged in a glove compartment and grabbed that out. And I was like, that was like 2009. Yeah. yeah. So. No. Well, uh, I think that's probably gonna bring us to the end. That was a poor story to end on. Yeah, sure. I mean, but now yeah. we have you can listen to this awesome interview with the. Uh, that's right. That's right. Aunt Leslie Terry much, Snell. It's much better in there, kid. With this interview, with Terry <laughs> Snell. it's much better. Yes. Uh, in the meantime, after you listen to this interview, Elis, where can they get in touch with us? Yes, please email us uh, sequelrights at gmail with your ideas of the franchises we should do in the new year, and you can check us out on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at sequelrights. Tyler. Where can people, uh, you know, give us a little love in our hearts this holiday season? Well, you can Venmo us cash directly, but uh, <laughs> other other than that, uh, no, no. Give please, us your bank account please number. Please don't oh, yeah. do that. Uh, yes, give us uh, rate and review us on iTunes. We really appreciate it. Uh, five stars, four stars, three stars, two stars, one star. No, we, just... we don't want those. <laughs> We just want your feedback. Just interact. If you if you give us if you give us the one star and you tell us what we're doing wrong, we'll do better. That's I true. Promise. Good point. Good point. Yeah, we'll do better. I promise. Yeah, and uh, you know, I hope you guys have been enjoying uh, my brother Jordan Camps's new holiday version, of the theme song. I love it. It's just uh, brings a smile to my face. I can't wait for next week when he does the Trans Siberian Orchestra version. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, we've done these two films that are pretty well loved. But next week, it's really going to start getting into the weeds with Home Alone Three. Uh-huh. Home Alone Three. What's it going to be? It's going to be a child who's home alone. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think there's going to be three children. Ooh, and they're all twins, triplets. What? <laughs> 
<laughs> sure, sure. So six? What? I'm so <laughs> Is he There's six? So children. I know it's not Macaulay Culkin. I have no remembrance of this movie. Is he? Is is it going to be McAllister? Even I, I can't even remember. I think there's a slight chance that there's some sort of relationship to the bandits, but I can't remember why. I can't remember anything. So. Yeah, I can't really. I've, I've definitely seen it, but oh, you I have? Like, uh-huh. Oh, okay. I've seen it for sure. I have not. For whatever reason, I feel like there could be like a Justin Thoreau sighting. I don't know why. <laughs> what? <laughs> Just because it's a weird sequel? Yeah. Okay. I hope Elizabeth Mitchell's in it. <laughs> Too. That would be amazing. She plays the mom. <laughs> By the way, we haven't talked about Lost for no reason during this episode. So <laughs> there it is. Ding, ding, ding. Lost. Lost time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, we got to play the interview. The kids need to be Walt. All yes. right. Yeah. Uh, Do not leave. Listen to this awesome interview right now. Here we go. Terry Snell. We're here with a very special, extra special holiday surprise for everybody today. Uh, we are talking with uh, actor, or, uh, sorry, <laughs> actor Terry Snell from uh, the Home Alone movies. It's Aunt Leslie herself. Yep. <laughs> Terry, thank you Front so much set. for being here. My pleasure. Great fun, especially this time of year. Oh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so just to start out, can you tell us, like, about your background and what were you doing when you uh, found out that you were going to be in Home Alone? How'd you get involved? That is one of those bittersweet stories. <laughs> <laughs> I was born and raised in Chicago, went away to school, wanted to be an actor. Everybody said no. I became a teacher, became a banker, I opened up my own school of performing arts, did all wow. of this stuff, had some kids, did community theater, yada, 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 yada. <laughs> I file for divorce and I get home alone. <laughs> so Wow. Can I get the divorce finished before I have to pay him alimony? (laughs) (laughs) So it was one of those crazy things. But um, I had worked with John Hughes previously on two of his other movies. Mm -hmm. She's having a baby with Kevin Bacon, Elizabeth McGovern, and uh, Curly Sue. But they were smaller little roles. And I got booked for home for home. Home Alone and Home Alone 2 two years later, which was wonderful. It was a heaven sent, and it got me from Chicago in the cold snow and ice to Los Angeles with the fires and earthquakes. So, <laughs> Just in time. What's worse? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's amazing. Uh, I mean, so you said you work with John Hughes before, um, before Home Alone. What was it like working with him, you know, someone who's like a legend like that? I I just love that man. I I'm so sorry he's gone. He was such a treasure. Yes, eccentric, eccentric. Not any other way to say it, but he was eccentric. <laughs> but he was so brilliant, and he was so kind, and he was so fun. And I know he gave the studios a little bit of a tussle from time to time because he held firm to what his ideas and his beliefs were. But it was just a pleasure. And frankly, he made my life security possible because with home alone one and home alone two and the other films that i've done it vested my pension it vested my health care for the rest of my life it was like thank you jesus here we go yeah that's amazing how how did you uh fall into with those earlier films with curly sue and everything was it the the midwest connection or or how'd that come about 
Yeah, I was just finishing. I'd gone back to college. I graduated 20 years to the day I should have with my BA. I'd I'd done an AA and then I dropped out and had kids and had a life and then went back to school. (laughs) So I I had finished it and I had a a triple major. It was English and teaching and theater arts. And there was an open call for She's Having a Baby with Elizabeth McGovern and Kevin Bacon. And I went down to the open call. I already had my SAG card because I had been doing voiceover and commercial and so on and so forth. But um, I had only stage training as such. I didn't have on camera training. So I thought, well, I'll do some background work and find out how all that goes. So I went down to this open call. And oddly enough, the last semester class I had had in college was how to audition for musical theater. (laughs) And they were doing a dance number, and that's what they were doing the open call for. And the choreographers came out of New York. They had been part of Chorus Line in the beginnings of it, and they were major choreographers. And I'm going like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. (laughs) But there were literally 1,500 people who showed up on that call. They narrowed it down to 12 of us, and I was one of the 12. And so I worked for six weeks on that movie partially because the skies kept opening up and raining on us after we shot the first (laughs) days and we couldn't get matching sky (laughs) but um it was it was great i learned so much about filmmaking without having to go back to school to do that and it was a joy so that's how that started and then from that um can't remember if curly sue came next or not but i was i was called in for that and cast in that I was called in for another one. I think it was Duke. I can't, don't remember the name of that one. And then home alone came along. And that was one of those, as I said, I was going through my divorce at the time. It was Chicago weather in February, spitting snow, ice and whatever. Had <laughs> <laughs> had the first audition in November was told that I was going to get a call back in January. January came and went and nothing happened. I'm like, well, so much for that. And in February, first part of February, I got a call to come down for my, my callback on it. And my car broke down on the Eisenhower in the middle of the sleep train. And there were no cell phones to speak of then. Sure. There were papers, but there were no cell phones. So here I am opening up the hood on this Delta 88. It's a huge ass car because I knew what was wrong, but I had to get into the hood to fix it. And I'm short, I'm five foot. So I had to jump into the, into the hood area, got it fixed, got back on the road. I was two hours late for my callback. I was, my makeup had run because I was in the sleet and the snow and the rain. I looked like a drowned rat and and I did a horrible job on the audition. And I came, came out going, God, please, please give me one more chance. One more chance. Give me one more shot at please. God, please. God. So oddly enough, three days later, they called me back in and it had been narrowed down to three of us. And, um, I was the one they chose, but there was another hurdle on that one because I got a call from my agent and all the time I had auditioned with the mother's lines, being told that they wanted a name for that and that I would be the aunt, yada, yada, never auditioned for any other role, just that. I got a call from my agent who said, well, they would like to cast you as the drugstore clerk. Oh. And yeah, exactly. That was exactly <laughs> how I felt. Um, what? You know, I said, and I did the typical actor's thing. I said, well, yeah, I want to do it. But do you find out what I messed up so that I know maybe the next time I won't do that? Hung up the phone. I was in the house totally alone. Nobody was there. (laughs) And this voice came booming through the house saying, be patient, 
there's been a mistake. Oh, wow. <laughs> now, I happen to be Christian. I have a good idea who was talking to me. But <laughs> I hadn't been drinking. I hadn't been smoking. I was totally clean. Nothing's going on. And this voice came through. Be patient. I got a call the next day. And my agent said, they made a mistake. They want you to do the ants roll. Do you still want to do it? I said, well, hell yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's, so that's how that all went. That's amazing. That's wow. the best story anyone's ever told in this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, uh, that's incredible. It was. It absolutely was amazing. And it allowed me to move from Illinois. I, I had had a school of performing arts there. I had closed that down the year before. Moved out to L.A. and... God having his sense of humor, my first location shoot was back in Chicago. Chicago. In Mar- they had one of the <laughs> snowstorms off the lake, and it closed down all the shooting. I was like, oh, okay, got it. <laughs> but it's, it's been great fun. I have since matriculated into being a talent manager. And I have an office in New York, an office in Chicago, and an office in L.A. And we represent adults and minors. And um, we actually have one of our clients opening on Broadway in a brand new show in February. We're excited about that. Oh, wow. It's called Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations. Oh, I, I saw that here in L.A., actually. Did you? Okay. Yeah. The, guy, the guy who played Franklin. Okay. Okay. That's, that's our guy. Juwan awesome. Jackson. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, really cool. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, so regarding the first film, um, how did the look of Aunt Leslie come about? Is that just like? Was it similar to how you dressed in the 90s or was that like all decided with uh, with the film? Well, actually, although it was shot in 1990, the overall look was kind of late 80s, yeah. you know, yeah. the big shoulders, you know, and the fluffy big Texas hair, got yeah. the Texas hair. <laughs> okay. So they, uh, they meaning the um, director and that was Chris Columbus and I believe the producer who was John Hughes, of course, um, they had a vision for what they wanted and they wanted that Midwest kind of, we were, we were from Ohio, according to the the scripts. Uh So Uncle Frank and I were kind of like Ohio farm people kind of thing. So (laughs) we didn't have the most sophisticated clothing and the most sophisticated hairstyles and whatnot. Um, frumpy would be the word perhaps we'd like to use, <laughs> okay. but it was great fun. And, you know, for me, I don't ever like to challenge the wardrobe or the makeup people because I know they've had their sessions. They know what the overall look for it is. If it's something I would really, 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 really hate, I might say something. But other than that, I'm your mannequin. Dress me, put me in what you want. <laughs> And we'd, we'd do three or four looks for each scene, and we'd run them past the director, and he'd say yay or nay. And it was hysterical because when my mother saw the movie, she said to me, why did you wear that outfit on the plane? And, you. and I'm like, Mom, it's called acting. I want my paycheck. Thank you very much. <laughs> So uh, you mentioned that the script mentioned that you guys were supposed to be from Ohio. I'm just curious about, like, when you see that script, did you have any inkling that it would be such a large film at the time? When you read the script, did you have a positive, like, were you like, wow, this is great, you know, this is vintage John Hughes, or like, wow, this would be great, this would be an amazing paycheck to have? (laughs) It was one of those bittersweet things, because as I said, I was going through my divorce and it was not a pleasant time. Mm-hmm. So my attention wasn't fully on a lot of that. Absolutely. And then 
to add heartbreak to it, that person that I was divorcing hadn't filed our income taxes for five years. I had signed them, but he hadn't mailed them. So along with the divorce, the IRS was knocking on the door, taking things away. It was like, I just need to get through this. I'm not sure I was really there. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. But it's like, I'm not sure I was really there. Um, none of us knew that it was going to be what it was. It was pr- it was all basically filmed, for Home Alone 1, it was all basically filmed in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And um, about halfway through filming, the suits started to show up from L.A. Yeah. <laughs> so looking at each other like, hmm, what? Okay. All right. Best behavior. Everybody good. <laughs> but. <laughs> They came more and more. So we knew that there was some excitement about it. Mm-hmm. When it first came out, I don't know if you are old enough to remember Siskel and Ebert, but they oh, used absolutely. to. Oh, absolutely. Of course. <laughs> okay. So they reviewed it and said it was horrible. Uh-huh. Like it, that it was violent, that yada, 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 da. And of course, my mother-in-law, by that time, my ex-mother-in-law called to tell me and left a message. Oh, by the way, Siskel Ebert hates your movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like Ebert famously hates the cartoon violence of it. He's like, cartoon violence belongs in cartoons. Yes. Yes. The next week, they rescinded the review, which they had never done before. And I think they only did once after that. And they said, this is going to be a blockbuster. It's giving families something they haven't seen for a long time. It's a movie they can all go to together. It helps empower young people to know that they can find solutions to help and do things that they're not totally useless and and waiting for an adult to bail them out, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was really quite a great pleasure to see that it did what it did. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, by the time two came along, we all knew that (laughs) the tale. So I was wondering how quickly they turned around and were like, we want you back for another one. (laughs) Was it like immediately? No, no, not at all. Um, That we shot that in 90. Mm -hmm. I think it came out that fall. Yeah. Okay. And um, I moved out to California and was almost a full year before I got a call from my agent saying, what are you doing between August and May? Oh, wow. <laughs> Whatever you have in mind, I'm doing it. <laughs> they said, well, they think they're going to do a sequel to Home Alone, and they have a, a, a little bit of superstition, and they want to have the whole cast back. So then it was like wading pins and needles to see if and when, and then negotiations started for the contracts because, of course, everybody knew that we weren't going to be compensated as we were on the first one. We were going to be compensated much better than we were on the first <laughs> And um, it was great. And that was – we went back and shot in Chicago, and we shot in New York, and we shot in L.A. So it was great fun doing that. What was it like on set those days uh, with so many like young child actors and like the the opening scenes to both one and two where everyone's just running around the house? Was that like, did you guys? It was exactly like you saw it. (laughs) (laughs) They just let you guys loose. (laughs) I had chaos. (laughs) It was absolutely insane. I don't know how many times I ran up those stairs, but let me tell you, I didn't need a gym that week. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's it's almost stage acting. It's almost like because there's so much going on. There's so much ensemble work. Like I imagine just getting it, the, the wrangling of having fourteen. Like I in two. There's a shot specifically where everyone's in the, the hotel room in Florida, and I, I think that that's probably a stage day in L.A. is what that is. But it's still hair and makeup on 13 people, and you're doing this long panning shot of everybody in the hotel room. Yeah. And I was just thinking, like, man, that had to be a bear of a day. Just sit, like everyone sitting there, everybody doing that take, and just managing that many people. What was it like kind of acting with that whole family, or is there is there a type of... of are you trying to, to blend in as a family union? Is there stuff that you're trying to do to express your character? It seems like there's a lot of challenges there that I'm fascinated by. Well, I don't know. I, for me personally, I didn't find that it – because I'd had my School of Performing Arts and we took mm-hmm. shows on tour and whatnot, I had worked with kids a lot. So I was probably a little more acclimated to that than mm-hmm. some of the other people who never was around children very much. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't there many times. Um it was interesting because there are work hours for minors mm-hmm. and can't violate the l- number of hours they, they can be on set. So what would happen to we adults, especially those who had Texas hair, I'd get called in at <laughs> 2 or 3 in the morning yeah. to do hair and makeup. And then I'd go to my trailer and then we'd pop prop pillows on either side of my head and I'd lie down on my back and try to go back to sleep because they wanted to get all the adults through so they didn't have to use so much time on the kids' hair and makeup uh-huh. when they oh set up to get right to, to shooting. So my entire time on Home Alone 1, my call times were either 2 or 3 in the morning. Wow. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was wondering, uh, in the sequel... Aunt Leslie loses her kind of uh, signature glasses. Why was that decision made? I don't think it was a decision that was made. I think it just sort of happened. Okay. <laughs> you know, um, she had them and she didn't have them. She had them and she didn't have them, depending upon what she needed to see in the scene. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I was wondering, what was it like working with uh, Jerry Bamman as your husband, kind of the Uncle Frank? And were all of his lines totally scripted or was any of that funny stuff uh, improvised? There was no improvisation. It was okay. all, scripted. it was all scripted, and um, and and he he he, w- he was very interesting to work with. I, <laughs> I appreciated it. <laughs> so yeah, and then uh, I think at the end of the second one, I think it was Aunt Leslie. She is telling everybody to save the wrapping paper and the bows that to was, use again next year. That was improvised. Yes. <laughs> that, that was my favorite. <laughs> It was totally mine. It was totally out of our family. The great grandma always wanted to save all the wrapping paper and all the bows. And that just came out spontaneously. I My mom it. still does that. Yes. <laughs> that is so great that you put that in. Cause that was like one of my favorite lines of the family parts in the second one. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> so if uh, 20th century Fox, if they wanted to, uh, you know, reboot the series and do like one of those, you know, legacy sequels and they wanted to bring back people. I actually wrote a treatment for it. (gasps) Yeah. (laughs) I tried to get it to people, but people didn't want to take a look at it. So there you go. Uh, And now of course, John Hurd has passed away. So to, to, you can't really rekindle the family. You could reboot it through the eyes of Kevin and buzz perhaps and have whatever families around 
come in and out of it. Um, I think Aunt Leslie and Uncle Frank would live until their hundreds because of this that cantankerous. No, I would. I would love it. I was so surprised and a little disappointed that they didn't do any kind of a a major reunion for the 25th anniversary of Home yeah. Alone. It just sort of came and went. I went. Oh, okay. Well, there you have it. <laughs> That's so strange because literally everything else that yeah. there's, there's been some sort of organize, organized effort to, yeah. to do something like that. It's such a beloved, you know. Yeah, that's film. that's very strange. Yeah. Gotta do one of those uh, EW photo shoots or whatever with the reunions. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So, yeah, have, I, I'm just out of sheer curiosity, have you seen any of the films past the, the two that you're in? Oh yeah, um, the the girl who played my oldest daughter, Santa Moses, just lives a couple blocks from me, and she and her mom and I will get together every once in a while for a dinner or a lunch. Um, we bonded on set that that far ago, far long ago, and um, there are two others that I can I have connection with through Facebook, and there actually is a. It's been dormant for a while, but there is a, a, a little small closed Facebook group of all of us who were in Home Alone. Oh, um, cool. The young man who played Jed, uh, who, Jed was his name, Jane, Jed Cohen. He play, he had the glasses yeah. and uh-huh. dark hair. Um, I see him when I go to New York for my office there, and his son looks so much like he looked in that movie. It's <laughs> scary. It is just scary. <laughs> Jed Cohen and his son is named Jed too, so that's fun. Um, I have run into Buzz a couple of times on red carpet events. Um, (laughs) We haven't worked on the same projects, but when I went back and did an episode of Veep last season, one of my students that I had had in my School of Performing Arts back in Libertyville, Illinois, right outside of Chicago, was also in the cast. And so it was like, oh, my God. (laughs) He said, you're worth a call to my parents. I'm calling them now. (laughs) (laughs) So every once in a while, people will pop up that way, which is great fun. That's so awesome. That's great. Um, And so we were wondering also, like, have you ever uh, sat down and watched Home Alone 3 or 4 or 5 or any of those? I tried. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, don't tell us. Don't make it sound bad. so appetizing for us. <laughs> yeah. And that's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Very diplomatic. We appreciate yep, that. What yep, yep. uh, I found to be so wonderful, uh, two years ago now in Kansas City at Christmas time, my both of my sons are musicians. Mm-hmm. Alpha and Omega. One's classical, one's heavy metal. Um, <laughs> the one who's classical is the dean in, in, uh, at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, and he plays with the Kansas City Symphony. And they do every Christmas, they do um, a movie and the symphony plays the the score live. So they were going to be doing it that year. I was going to be there. And I said, hey, you know, if they would like to have me chat, I'd be happy to chat before they show the movie. So they would like to they would like to have done that, which we did. And what so surprised me and just made my heart so happy, there were adults there who had seen the movie as kids who were bringing their kids to see it who had never seen it because they wanted to see it on the big screen again. So it was it was a special moment that and having people in when it first came out from different countries, friends of mine who were traveling saying, I just saw you in Italy and you were speaking Italian. I said, no, I wasn't. Somebody else. (laughs) But to to realize that it it went around the world, that it touched that many lives is just a wonderful, beautiful thing. 
Yeah, I, I definitely have friends who are who are sharing it with their children and and they grew up as kids and uh, I think that that scene is playing out, you know, all around the country and the world right now. I think that the movie just still plays so well. The movies and uh, and they're, they're special in a way that that I think that people it resonates. I was very surprised. I went to the ArcLight Theater in Hollywood uh-huh. um, last week to see Boy Erased. Powerful movie, by the way. Mm-hmm. See it can but they had this big board up and during the christmas season they were doing certain movies on certain days uh-huh. and the top one was home alone november 21st <laughs> showing it at the arc light you know? and then somebody facebooked me and said that they were in their hometowns too so i guess maybe they're doing a one-day release across country i don't know oh sweet that's awesome okay uh that was yeah, I think that wraps up the questions here. It was a delight talking to you. Is there anything else that you wanted to, to share with our listeners or, or any place that they can follow you while uh, after this conversation? Well, we have – I have – my management company is Talent, Inc., L.A., Chicago, New York, and it's I-N-K, not I-N-C. We have a website. Um, we have a Twitter account. We have – all those things that a person my age don't really understand how to do. <laughs> and we have younger people who handle it for us. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, you, can, you can keep tabs on us that way. We have a Facebook. You can, I, I am, I'm very good about corresponding. I feel like if you write to me, I should write to you, at least say hello. You know, kind of thing. So, so we'll do that. I get, I get mail from time to time for people who would still like, they'd like a signed autographed picture or I had, this was so fun. Some gal in, um, it was Greenland, I think <laughs> place far, far away. She wrote me and asked if I could write a note to her best friend who was getting married from Aunt Leslie, because Home Alone was her favorite movie ever, and Aunt Leslie was her favorite character. So, um, <laughs> certainly, I, 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 got a, I got a photo for them, I put some things together, I wrote them a note and wished them well, and they read it at the uh, rehearsal dinner. Oh and my so, god, that is so was, hilarious, so, so cool. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was, it was really great. That's but that's it, it was a great time, I thank the Lord for it, and um uh, who knows? Maybe they'll haul us all out for some sort of a retread. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I would yes. Really crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Start writing uh, campaign. Tell Fox. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Start the petition, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Aunt Leslie needs your help. help. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back the good times. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, thank you so much for being here with us, Terry. Yeah, we um, really appreciate it. It's been great uh, talking with you and hearing some of your awesome stories. Yeah. yeah. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for asking. Of yeah. Of course. Uh, and uh, we are so grateful for Aunt Leslie and all of the, uh, you know, holiday heartwarming feels that those movies bring. <laughs> yes. Yes. Even, even more so with that story. It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, like anything's possible. Home alone. Yeah, the magic is still happening. Yeah. That's, that's so amazing. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, thanks for being here, and uh, we'll we'll uh, talk to you later. You betcha. Take care. Have a wonderful evening. Thanks. Bye. 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 Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Sing a song for the glorious season. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Sing a song for the happy new year. Sing merrily, merrily, all that's wrong. Welcome to victory season.
Let's do the other. 